0: My name is Kevin Hines. I jumped off the Golden Gate Bridge. I believed that I had to die, but I lived. Today, I travel the world with my lovely wife, Margaret, sharing stories of people who have triumphed over incredible adversity. Now, we help people be here tomorrow. Welcome to the Hindsights Podcast. There you are. There's there's the great... Jeff Evans. Ladies and gentlemen, uh, welcome. Jeff, uh, this is a special episode. This is kind of next level. We're going to talk in great detail about your good friend and mine, the great, the one, the
1: true, the only, Mr. Larry King, the king of media. Well, you know, when you said to me that you wanted to, you know, do this uh, and have a conversation about Larry, certainly I was very excited because, as you know, I've become very good friends with him. I would say over the last three years at least. And uh, to this day, I pinch myself to think that I have become a friend of this legend of broadcasting.
0: And what a legend he is. Can you break down, maybe even consider in chronological order so people can see the the growth and the, the legacy that is Mr. King?
1: Well, you know, this, this uh, legend has been doing what he's been doing now for, he just celebrated his 62nd year as a broadcaster which is astounding but you know having become close to him certainly over the last 3 years I've had many conversations with him and certainly he's been very open to share you know his life you know with me and as well as other close friends and you know this is a guy that on November 19th will be 86 years young and you know he's someone that truly will never retire You know, I see him uh, probably, and we've talked about this, taking his last breath behind the microphone because that's what he wants to be doing. And, but he started his life in 1933 growing up in Brooklyn, New York. I would say probably the most defining moment of his life, he will say, is when at the age of eight years old, uh, his dad suddenly passed away from a heart attack at the age of 46. And I think that you know, that moment in time will remain in his memory forever. You know, he knows exactly what he was doing. He describes himself as this little schoolboy carrying a lot of books home to find his mom crying. And then, of course, to learn that his dad had passed away. And his mom now was responsible for Larry and his younger brother. And, you know, that's something that, again, I think kind of, projected him into the world that he and life that he finds himself in today. You know, it's interesting. He, he also went to Lafayette High School in New York. And for our listeners who might be familiar with Lafayette, it's, uh, it's a high school in Brooklyn that was the uh, uh, starting point for some very, very successful people. But Larry being the sports fan that he is, it is the, the high school of Sandy Koufax the hall of fame legend and Larry, you know, knew Sandy growing up very, very well, you know, but Larry has been a a baseball fan, you know, from the early days of the Brooklyn Dodgers. And then of course, when they moved out to LA and Larry, you know, moved here to LA, he's continued following that team very, very seriously. So, but, you know, again, he grew up from the time he was five years old, dreaming of a career in broadcasting. He used to listen to the radio, he will say, and literally the voices that that really painted these amazing pictures to the listeners. Because again, Kevin, we don't know, we never experienced that. But before television, radio was where people found their escape. Um, you know, families would would crowd around the radio and listen to the most amazing programming that, you know, today we have the the fortune and the ability to turn on our TVs and you know or stream on our laptops you know great programming and movies but back then in his early youth it was the radio that you know really afforded him to really develop this dream of one day wanting to be a broadcaster.
0: Uh, You think of things like I used to listen to the uh, audio tapes of Zorro and all all those kinds of things and when when you listen to something like that before TV became so popular and before streaming was so uh, so, so much so, taking over the the media, listening to those those tapes in old school format on my just my headphones uh, with my tape deck uh, that nobody even has anymore, even in this day and age, uh, was fascinating. It would take you into a whole new world.
1: Whole new world. Absolutely. And he, you know, he would talk about. I'm sure you've heard of the great line in radio: "The shadow knows." You know, it was a, it was a great program. Yeah. And that was something, again, that was very impressionable on this young man at the time. And, and literally, from the time he was five years old, he truly dreamed of being a broadcaster because he was so taken back by the abilities of these radio personalities to bring things to life. And he knew that, you know, at a very early age, that was a true art form. And again, you know, that's where his whole future, he looked at his future as, as uh, something in broadcasting. He knew what he wanted to do from really the get-go, and the fact that he fully
0: actualized his goals shows that he's one of the, the he's, he's one of what we call the ninety-eighth percentile. We've talked about this on the on the podcast before uh, with other friends of mine. The ninety-eighth percentile, there's only two percent of the population of the world that fully actualizes their life's goals and dreams, and he is absolutely one of them. It's fascinating.
1: Yeah, I mean, to, to this day, sixty-two years later, he says to to me and whoever. He has never in his mind has never worked a day in his life. And there's that saying, you know, if you do what you love to do and are passionate about doing, you will never work a day in your life. And this is a man who literally believes he has never worked a day in his life because he's been doing what he's always wanted to do.
0: I love that, Jeff.
1: That's fantastic. I was going to say, it's interesting, too, to think about him. And so, you know, from that very early stage of his life, having lost his dad and then, of course, you know, wanting to pursue a a career in broadcasting, you know, life was not easy for him and his brother and his mom. In fact, they went on in those early days. There wasn't welfare. Uh, It was called something else. And it was actually I think he refers to it as city assistance. In fact, he talks about getting his first pair of sunglasses thanks to the city. You know, they they lived pretty, you know, pretty, um, it was rough. It was really rough. I think they had a one-bedroom apartment in Brooklyn. And again, his mom struggled to, you know, really put food on the table for him and his brother. So it was, it was not easy. But, you know, he always had a group of friends who, you know, he hung out with, and to this day, his closest friend is a, a guy by the name of Herbie Cohen, who they're still as close, if not closer, than they've ever been. Herbie still lives in New York, so he definitely has had this, uh, you know, group of friends that you know he's remained very close to. And unfortunately, you know, and I think one day you and I will also experience this, you know, as we not older but wiser, as we go up, get up in years, we'll have certainly a circle of friends, very close people to us in our lives that you know will be. Starting to pass away, you know, and I think Larry, you know, certainly has experienced this over the last five years, especially where his so-called Brooklyn cronies that he would hang out with a lot of the time here in in, in L.A. passing away. So he kind of has brought in a younger generation, which I would like to include myself a part of you know, to um, to hang out with him at what we call Breakfast with a King, which has been held on a daily basis for many years.
0: That's beautiful. You guys go to a particular spot in Los Angeles, California. We won't name God the spot because everyone would show up to bother you. But, uh, you know, it's a beautiful thing when you can coalesce with some of your greatest friends, talk about all the world's issues and problems. And especially, it's such a great thing to do that with Mr. King and, and, and his his words of wisdom that, you know, on, on that note, Jeff, there's something I got to bring up. Look behind that. That is a ladder right there. And that ladder is very very significant for me and for us in this podcast. That ladder uh, means something. It means something to me because when we did this video with, with Mr. King that we brought at, at your Breakfast Club, he, he said something at the end of the, of the video, which we will be eventually releasing, which we can't talk about right now. But he said to uh, a young media mogul, if you will, was coming up and trying to make his way in the world who's having some issues with uh, related building he said forget what you've done in the past just climb climb baby climb and, and that it was a simple saying simple few words but it meant a lot to me because even though he was talking to my friend he hit me right here right I'll, I'll put this right right there he hit me right there yeah, absolutely and, and I wanted to make that a part of of every episode of this podcast. You know, we're going to be having some of the most phenomenal minds telling these stories. And I'm so grateful, Jeff, that you being so connected to Larry, I want to, I want to talk more about I want to break down, you know, he spent quite a bit of time at CNN, you know, quite a bit of time. And, and I'm not sure how that ended there, but I'd like to I'd like to hear your perspective on that and maybe some insight that you might have gotten from Larry about his career and his time at CNN.
1: Sure. I mean, first of all, I'd like to go back one second to that okay. ladder, I think. Again, oh, yeah. it's so apropos. I think, you know, the fact that, you know, I remember clearly him talking about, keep climbing, keep climbing. I mean, that certainly is something that this man has done his whole life because I think most of us truly identify with Larry through his time at CNN, which was 25 years. But if we know a little bit about his early days and his early life, such as we talked briefly about, you know, the most impressionable thing that happened in his early life was his dad passing away, You know, definitely life for Larry has been always climbing. You know, in life, we will always experience challenges. Some of us have more challenges than others, but certainly he's had a life full of challenges. I should, you know, before we get into CNN, we should talk about really how he finally eventually launched his career. I guess it was back in his early 20s. He ran into a, a gentleman on the streets of New York that suggested to him that he move to Miami, Florida. Now, this was around 1957, and Larry would have been then 24 years old. And up until that point, he had a lot of different jobs. I mean, he worked um, in finance, in the textile industry. Uh, He did a lot of different things, but he still had the dream of being a broadcaster. Anyway, he ran into this uh, gentleman who worked for CBS, and the guy said, you know what, The business is starting to really open up broadcasting, open up in Miami. That's where you should go. So with very, very little money, Larry took the plunge and moved to Miami. You know, he started knocking on doors and it didn't happen right away, but he eventually was hired by a radio station basically to do whatever. And his break came when one night the on-air personality got sick. And the general manager turned to Larry, who basically was sweeping floors, running, you know, for coffee, whatever it was. (laughs) He turned to Larry and said, you're on. And Larry goes, what do you mean? He said, we need you to cover so-and-so's, you know, spot on on the air. So literally, Larry was was born Larry Zeiger, Z-E-I-G-E-R. And the general manager, prior to Larry getting on air, said, listen, you can't go by the name Ziger. And Larry goes, what do you mean? That's my name. He goes, it's just too ethnic. It's just whatever. You know, so then Larry goes, well, what what name do you want me to take? And on the general manager's desk, as they're having this discussion, just prior to Larry getting on the air, was a newspaper, the local Miami Herald, I believe, that was opened and staring in both of their faces was that for a local liquor store called King's Liquor. And that, <laughs> my friends, is how Larry Zeiger became known as Larry King. The gentleman manager goes to Larry, take the name King. And literally, he basically was like a little child being thrown out into the ocean for the first time to swim. Larry was basically thrown into the studio to become a disc jockey. And that is how Larry's career started. So that was 1957. And uh, from there, he just really started to develop a following. And he eventually did uh, overnight broadcasting from like 12 midnight to 5.30 in the morning on mutual broadcasting. He did local TV. But what's really interesting, and Larry will absolutely always say this, that his mentor, and we all at times need and want a mentor. His mentor was the great late Jackie Gleason. Jackie from, Gleason, from the Honeymooner's fame. Wow. you know? And, and at that time, Jackie was considered one of the top comedian entertainers, and he was, uh, started a, a variety show that literally was being broadcast from Miami, and, and Larry met Jackie Gleason on a train ride from New York to Miami. That's how they encountered each other. And from there, Jackie took a liking to this 24-year-old guy, and they developed a friendship. And literally, that friendship developed into a very, very close relationship over the years, to the point when Larry started doing some local Miami television, Jackie became one of his first interviews. And Jackie Gleason literally came into the studio and redid everything. They had the Couch and I mean, it was simple in those days, but still Jackie literally told Larry, no, we need to do it this way and rearrange the furniture to make it look as great as he felt it could look. And they, anyway, they developed that close relationship. And, and also Larry would state one day, Jackie, I guess they were having a conversation and, and Jackie looked at Larry and said, what's the one thing that you feel will never happen? And this was the early 60s. And Larry looked at Jackie and said, well, the one thing I think that will never happen for me is ever being able to interview Frank Sinatra. Jackie goes, what do you mean? And you know, Larry goes, listen, we all know that Frank doesn't give interviews. He shies away from the press. You know, he's one of the hottest stars, but doesn't need the publicity. You know, in, in essence, Larry was basically telling Jackie that's the one person he would love to interview. And it so happened at this time, during this conversation, Sinatra was performing at the Fountain Blue Hotel in Miami. So so Gleason looks at at, uh, Larry and goes, what nights does he not perform? And uh, Larry looked at Jackie said, I think Monday they're they're off. He goes, "Okay, kid, next Monday, we're going to get Frank Sinatra here for you to interview. And King Larry goes, come on, will you stop kidding me? He goes, no, kid, I'm telling you we're going to, I'm going to get you Sinatra here next Monday. So of course, Larry tells the general manager excitedly that interview Frank Sinatra, the general manager goes, are you serious? And Larry goes, no, for sure. 9 PM next Monday. So again, this is like the early sixties. The general manager takes out a full page ad in the Miami Herald to advertise Frank Sinatra being on Larry Show. So anyway, so a week goes out, Monday comes, it's 8.59 p.m. It's only Larry at the and the general manager at the studio. And Larry's starting to get very nervous. The clock hits 9 p.m. And all of a sudden the door opens and this whole entourage comes in and there's Frank Sinatra oh. with his group. And in fact, the PR person for Frank immediately comes over, pulls Larry aside and looks at Larry said, I'm just going to tell you one thing. During this interview, don't bring up the kidnapping of Frank's son. Frank Jr had been kidnapped. Oh. And it was a it was a really really big story in those days and Sinatra would you know again never gave interviews but certainly never wanted to talk about this situation. So Sinatra sits down and for the next 3 hours, yeah, 3 hours, that's how wow. comfortable Larry made Sinatra feel to the point where midway during the interview, Sinatra brought up the kidnapping of his son. Oh my God. It, it was, yeah, and Larry really looks back at that moment, this interview, as truly putting the Larry King brand on the map of broadcasting.
0: Oh my God, Jeff, that, I got goosebumps all over my entire body. Uh, let me ask, for the kids, for the millennials, who have no idea, who Frank Sinatra is, and some of these youngsters don't know who Larry is. Sad. Who would you compare them to? Could you compare the two of them to anybody in their respective fields today?
1: Honestly, I can't. I mean, you know, Larry, I mean, basically, I mean, what somebody can do truly is with, you know, certainly a click of a button on the phone, you know, Google Larry King. Yeah. Oh, my God. In fact, you know, Larry is so proud of something today that he's actually being taught in broadcast journalism classes around the world. I mean, that I think says it all.
0: They're saying uh, to learn how to be a broadcaster, you follow the model of Mr. King. And you know, that, that's a great point you made there, Jeff, because I'm modeling this entire podcast off of what he told me when I sat with him the second time, which was, I go off facts. And and he has those blue cards with facts on it. And I'm, I'm not comparing myself to Mr. King, I'm nowhere near him, we just began this, but I'm saying, I hope to aspire to be a, a good enough interviewer and host like Mr. King,
1: absolutely, and I think that's really what his whole career in broadcasting and interviewing has been about. It's it's to go into an interview not overly prepared, but certainly having some key thoughts and ideas about the guest, and le- letting the audience almost be sitting in Larry's chair, you know, because you know I think the biggest. The biggest word that describes Larry King and and his success for 62 years has been he is one of the, if not the most curious human beings living. You know, he's all about curiosity. And I think we talk about this, too, that that's one of the things we believe is lacking today because of the world we live in, which is, you know, we're all about social media. We're all about uh, clicking on the like button you know, facts are at our fingertips again with the click of a button. So it really has taken the magic of of true curiosity away. And I, I think it's something that a lot of the younger generation can become curious again, but it's up to them.
0: To want to be curious and to want to be educated in that curiosity and not just something like, I'll give you an example. My little brother, you know, he was about nine, 10 years old read every single book of the Encyclopedia Britannica cover to cover. Now that's next level genius, for my opinion, for a nine year old to do, but you don't see a nine year old doing that today. You don't see it. And that was purely based off of curiosity. And that nine year old, when he was allowed to, and myself, when we were allowed to, would sit up watching Larry King with our parents when they watched it, you know? Or even David Letterman, when we would watch that, we would got the special treat to stay up to watch David Letterman. And you know, we miss those guys. They're still on TV, but in the sense that in the sense that they were so praised and, and loved and cared for and nourished, I don't see the younger generation looking for that today. But I do see a lot of the young generation, to be fair to them, creating something new that's different and kind of magical in its own right. This whole YouTube craze and, and, and this YouTube celebrity can be done for good and it can be done for bad or it can be done for just plain old silliness. Uh, but there are some folks out there that are doing great stuff with their channels to help other people and I really like to enjoy those ones. On that on that note Jeff, please continue along in this journey sure. with the king.
1: Yeah, so and what what's funny going back to that interview that was monumental in Larry's career and as I said with, you know, interviewing Sinatra for 3 hours. The man didn't want to leave and to the day that Sinatra and again for the young viewers who want to look up Sinatra, he was also known as Old Blue Eyes so if you ever google Old Blue Eyes or his other moniker he was known as chairman of the board he to this day i think is i think thought of as one of the if not the greatest singers of his generation but anyway the story behind that interview and how gleason was able to get that interview to happen was 3 years prior frank called jackie gleason up on the phone when he was supposed to perform, when, when Sinatra was supposed to perform and got sick with laryngitis. And I forget, I think it was somewhere in New York and, and Sinatra called up Gleason desperately asking, can you fill in for me? And again, Gleason was a entertainer, comedian, did some dance, you know, whatever. And he said, sure, Frank, but you owe me a big one. Yeah. And Frank said, Jackie, I do. Three years later, when all of this came up that he wanted to get Sinatra on Larry King's program, he called Sinatra up and said, Frank, do you remember three years ago, you said you owe me a big one? Well, it's time to pay up. And that's how that whole interview came about. Is that, oh, is that, anyway, so, you know, from there, let's look at, you know, over the next few years, Larry really became pretty well-known in South Florida. And then, of course, he had the National Overnight Broadcast uh, Show that, by the way, was the first of its kind. No one was doing an overnight show uh, that was syndicated around the country back in those days. So everyone started to know who Larry King was. And one of the most important people that got wind of this overnight radio host was none other than Ted Turner. And Ted had, had recently started his CNN. And hooked up with Larry, and uh, you know, made Larry a deal he couldn't refuse to continue doing his overnight radio show, but also to start hosting what is now known as Larry King Live. And it started in 1985 and ran to 2010. And needless to say, I mean, this is a man. Honestly, if you think about it, 62 years behind the microphone, he has now interviewed over 60,000. People. Think about that. Over 60,000 people. And when you think about the people that this man has interviewed, th- this is also interesting. I think one of the first times I sat with him at breakfast, being the curious person that I am, one of the first things I s- asked him was with all the people you've interviewed, all the world leaders, presidents, etc., celebrities, whatever, who's the one person that you wound up? Never interviewing that you really wanted to interview, and without even having to think, he said, "Fidel Castro, Fidel Castro, who you know led Cuba for many, many years." And of course, there was the whole Bay of Pigs situation with the, our our President John F. Kennedy back in 1960. It was the first true challenge that Kennedy had to face was the possibility of nuclear war with Russia and Cuba, and Fidel was right at the center of all of that. That's the one person to this day, Larry never got to interview. By the way, he was in Havana, Larry was in Havana with a crew, ready to have that interview when the rug was pulled out at the last second and it never happened. But you think about who this man has interviewed from just about every president that we can think of, you know, going back to, in fact, he had a situation Back in 1959, when he was when Larry was, you know, just new to Miami, where on a Sunday, Larry was driving around Palm Beach on Highway 1, which is right along the coast. And I think he was taking a friend to show them all of the beautiful homes along the the coastline when all of a sudden on a Sunday morning, early Sunday morning, Larry actually rear ended a car in front of him. By accident, you know, he was not paying attention and stopped the car. The car that he rear-ended stopped also. And out of the driver's seat of that car in front of him that he had just rear-ended stood this young, handsome guy who was John F. Kennedy. Oh, my God. And all Kennedy said to Larry was, listen, you know, pay attention when you're driving. And Larry said, I'm so sorry, sir, really. Is there anything I can do? And Kennedy said, no, don't worry about it. You know, it doesn't look like there's a lot of damage, but I can ask you one favor. I'm running for president. Would you please vote for me? And (laughs) that's all that John Kennedy asked of Larry was, please, can I count on your vote? And after he was elected, Kennedy was elected, Larry attended some type of dinner that Kennedy was at. I don't know if it was an honor for Kennedy, whatever it was. And Larry was sitting there and Kennedy remembered Larry from that incident. But anyway, this was Larry's life. I mean, you know, just, you know, meeting and interviewing some of the most influential people in history, in history. This is a great story, too. What There was a movie recently about what was the name of the movie that was about Dick Cheney. But it was, you know, up for some Academy Awards, whatever. But what's interesting is when Larry saw this movie. Not only did he interview every character in real life that was portrayed in this movie, but he also interviewed every actor that played the characters in the movie. Really? uh, Yeah. Every character that was portrayed in this movie was during the George, the young George Bush days with Dick Cheney as vice president. Every character in the movie was someone that in real life Larry did interviewed and every actor that played these characters were someone that Larry did interview. Also,
0: that's mind-boggling. We should play the game Six Degrees of Larry King. Oh yeah, yeah. It's just it's just absolutely phenomenal.
1: I feel, honestly, Kevin, I feel very connected <laughs> to just about every person that Larry's. I mean, I you know, again at breakfast, I hear Larry tell stories about oh this person. And, I mean, people that I literally have dreamt about and and read about and thought about, whatever and and here I am sitting with a man that literally has sat down and had intimate conversations with all of these people. It's crazy. Absolutely crazy.
0: Just amazing. Do you have any more thoughts on, on Mr. King, his legacy, even in his family life? Anything that you could leave us with about about the man he is today, the man he's always been?
1: Well, I would say, you know, with all of the great accomplishments he's had in his career with Lifetime Achievement Awards, such as a Lifetime Emmy peabody awards whatever i think if you asked him today what is his greatest achievement he would honestly say the two sons that he has today with his last latest wife which by the way he's been married eight times to seven different women but his last marriage which took place in 1997 um he has two of the most amazing young boys i mean they're young men today Chance being 20 years old, who just started attending uh, USC and Cannon, who's 19 years of age, who is attending West L.A. College and eventually will transfer probably to USC. Those are the two greatest accomplishments. Um, He has a total of five children and I believe eight grandchildren or four grandchildren and nine great grand, crazy numbers. But yeah, that would he would say is his greatest accomplishment because he has truly appreciated having these two boys at such a late time in his life that he really has been a part of their development. And he's very proud of that.
0: Well, that's just a beautiful thing. And that's a great thing to if if we can wrap up on, I think that sharing his story, his legacy, his life, his journey and having you the person to do it couldn't be more uh, appropriate and perfect for this podcast. Do you have any thoughts to take us out here Jeff
1: today? I would say that it's been again a, an absolute privilege to share some of the stories about Larry and and my friendship with him which I'm very very proud of and honored also. But like you said earlier with the ladder behind you. You know, no matter what challenges we face in life from a mental health challenge to a physical health challenge to whatever it is, we're going to face challenges. The key is how do we face those challenges? And I think Larry is an example of facing great challenges throughout his whole life and following his uh, recommendation that he gave us a couple of months back. And that was keep climbing. Don't ever stop climbing. And that would be the last thing I would share.
0: Well, We'll leave it at that. Keep climbing. Whatever you're going through in life, whatever you're dealing with, keep moving forward or upward and onward. You've got this on lockdown. We've got your back. Bye, guys. Take care. Be well. Take care. here tomorrow. Thanks, Jeff. Margaret and I love sharing stories of people who have triumphed over incredible adversity. For more content and inspiration, go to com or visit us on all social medias at KevinHindsStory or on YouTube.com slash Kevin Hines.